1: Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. On today's show, as part of my series of interviews with the candidates for U.S. Soccer President, I'm joined by Paul Caligiuri, who played in two World Cups and scored one of the most significant goals in U.S. history to send the Americans to World Cup 1990. We talk about his challenge to get traction for Saturday's election, and his proposal to expand the Olympic development program.
0: One of my proposals would be through the Olympic developmental program, ODP, that all high school varsity coaches would be trained and provided resources to become ODP scouts. Mm -hmm. And what that does overnight, imagine, it brings U.S. soccer into every community in this country.
1: All that and more coming up. Joining me now is Paul Caligiuri, who is running for U.S. soccer president. Paul is a member of the National Soccer Hall of Fame, and he had a 15-year pro career that included time in the German Bundesliga and MLS, as well as 110 appearances with the U.S. men's national team. Paul scored one of the most significant goals in U.S. soccer history in 1989 when his goal sent the U.S. men to World Cup 1990, their first World Cup in 40 years. Paul, thanks for joining me. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me, Grant.
1: Great to have you on. Lots to talk about. Uh, I am interviewing all of the candidates uh, in the U.S. soccer presidential election. There are eight of them. Um, And I'm starting basically with a similar question for each one, which is, why do you think you're qualified to be the president of U.S. soccer?
0: Well, you look at soccer experience, and I've always said that uh, our experiences are what make each of us unique. and, And... as president of the United States Soccer Federation, my philosophy starts with recognizing that the player is the product, and we need a leader that understands player identification and development at all levels. And I think my background and experiences are unique in this regard because I've played and coached soccer at virtually every level, including being in the governance roles with the U.S. Soccer Federation on the Athletes Council and on the Board of Directors. I also played in Major League Soccer, the German Bundesliga, as you mentioned, I had a 15-year career with the U.S. men's national team programs. And um, I I believe that having all these elements gives me the opportunity to bring forth what this country needs. Since my retirement in in, um, 2001 from Major League Soccer, I've immersed myself in the soccer community at all levels, be it I've coached men's and women's college soccer to being involved with the high school ages, to uh, being a director at an academy club, to being a coach at an academy club, being involved with the LA Galaxy, and so forth. So I pretty much know that landscape in all levels, including being a, a president and starting my own youth club at one stage when I was coaching at the university. So these are all elements that make up Paul Caligiuri, and I believe it's quite unique to all the other candidates.
1: If you had a big idea behind your presidency, what would you say it is?
0: Well, I think that if we all had a big idea, it would be made the one main thing is that our, our mission statement says we want to become the preeminent sport in this country. And um, that is a, a goal I think that everyone shares. Um, and it's exciting to think about what steps we need to do to take to get to there. So be it that um, we have a good showing in the U-17 CONCACAF for the girls to establishing beach soccer as a legitimate sport in this country, as it is a major discipline for FIFA. Is it um, campaigning to get a FIFA Women's Futsal World Cup in place that doesn't exist today to um, going back-to-back championships in 2019 and – Establishing the women's professional league much like we see the success of major league soccer and obviously one of the greatest prizes that we all dream of is that the men's win a world cup in 2022. These are all things that would be if I could wave a magic wand and say let's do that. These are the things that inspire grassroots soccer from the very beginning um, time where a player touches a ball. Um, the, the opportunities we have to teach the basic pass and receive elements that are very important for these players to have good experiences at the start of soccer, so they're not getting exiting out of the game early because they don't feel as good or they don't have they're not inspired by the game. We need to provide players the tools from the beginning, um, just the basics from passing and receiving, and encourage them to have experience, as youth soccer is the driving force for all those successes that I mentioned above.
1: Obviously, a lot going on in U.S. soccer over the last several months. The U.S. men failed to qualify for the World Cup. You have eight candidates in this election on February 10th. Do you consider yourself a change candidate? And if so, what are the things you think are most important to change inside the U.S. Soccer Federation if you were the president?
0: Well, it's a very interesting question because I think we're heading into the final week of um, before the election. And it seems to be that there's a, a group that's kind of leaning towards what is deemed the status quo. And there's a group that's kind of leading towards change. And, um, you know, in typical elections that we see is you have a Democratic Party and you have a Republican Party for whatever that's worth. But clearly you kind of see things are branching to the right and left here. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to deem myself a person of the status quo. And nor uh, burn down the house here. I, I I really see myself as someone that comes with ideas. I have a vision. I have a clear path forward. Um, I believe the players of the product, but I also am aware of the good things we have, the infrastructure in place. Um, I believe that you know there's different components when we look at youth soccer. There's and infrastructure and what we could do to make that better by utilizing our infrastructures that's in place and bring more guidance, more resources, more funding, more tools to that. And when we look at adult soccer and where I coach currently in two major amateur semi-professional leagues, um, there are quality players, but the majority of those registered players are competitive And they're not at the elite level looking for a second chance to get into the pros. Um, And then you have a core core portion of those athletes that are um, there for fun. They make up the true fans of soccer. I mean, they go out there every weekend, beat up their bodies and support soccer in this country. And exciting. But what can we do to help that grow? And then that's another infrastructure place. And you need to look for methods to um, provide growth and encourage athletes to have – more success, and of course, the pros. I mean, Major League Soccer, where they're at today, is amazing. I'm a fan. I was a former player, and exciting. It's exciting to see the the growth of the game. Uh, a lot of my former teammates and peers are either running the programs, or technical directors, or coaches, and um, you know, they bring a lot of uh, great ideas and experience that will only improve Major League Soccer in the years to come. Um, and then of course, you know, we look at um the amateur side I talked about, a youth side and the adults, and that's primarily the three major prongs of soccer in this country, other than when we start looking at referees and coaches and elements there. And we do have an infrastructure in place, but we also have other tools and resources that we're not using. So I wouldn't say that Paul Caladuri is someone that stands for change or completely is just for the status quo, I think that I'm a visionary to realize what is the infrastructure in place, uh, how can we make it grow, and what resources are out there that we could utilize to bring this all together to have a better pathway forward for the experience of everybody.
1: You do mention a lot of different categories, Paul. Uh, It is true that the U.S. men's national team, the senior position for coach, is open right now and obviously that's a a pretty big job what are some names that you think should be in consideration to be the next coach of the u.s men's national team
0: well I, i wouldn't want to use names out there because number one i'm not in the position to um do the hiring or firing um and i and i don't i haven't really spoken to those uh coaches directly saying hey if i become president Could I throw your name in the hat? I think that would be a a little bit inappropriate. But what I can say is we do have qualified American coaches who I have identified with that are um, coaching at high levels internationally. And they're either coaching national teams or in a high uh, qualified professional league doing quite well. We also have very qualified American coaches here. And um, it's exciting to see what – the current staff is doing as well, um, particularly in the Olympic program, the U20s. Um, regardless of who comes into the fold at the highest level, the top um, coach for the U.S. national team men's position, it's very important that we have some succession planning. If it's somebody new, that 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 the current coaching staff works any succession planning with that coach to help them um, know the current climate of players and understand what the pool of players we have in the direction it's going. That's not saying that I'm just focusing on American and American based or American type coaches only. Um, the world cup will provide a lot of opportunities for potential availability of coaches. Um, some will lock in deals or already have deals locked in. Um, and also the, the final phase of the five major professional leagues globally, as it's coming and winding down to the end of the season, um, there may be some availabilities there as well. And as you know, and as we all know, we have a lot of American investors that are owners of some major professional teams, either in, you know, Italy or in Spain or England and France. So um, we definitely have a lot of resources to turn to to find the best coaches that we need to lead our United States national teams programs.
1: One topic that I've asked all the candidates about in my interviews with them, Paul, is what you're going to do to increase the representation of women in leadership positions in U S soccer. And I ask that because I look at the board of U S soccer. It's only one quarter women. I look at a lot of the voters from the different voting blocks, the state associations, um, not a lot of women. Uh, there's some, but there's not enough. What, what would you do to increase the representation of women in leadership positions?
0: Well, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I'm a father of two daughters and every day I, I tell them you could do anything. It could be everything you can. And, um, you know, in uh, reflecting into this election period, it's really, um, brought light to a bigger issue that we're having and seeing, and that's the inequality of women. And it's sad because these are my daughters, and I have to turn to him saying, yeah, it's happening in 2018, and it's plagued in the sport that I love dearly that I dedicated all my life to. Um, But that definitely needed a change, and I believe that with this election process alone, has definitely brought a huge awareness to it, and we're on a path to saying, "Wait a minute, as a, as a country, that's not what we stand for. Those aren't our principles. Those aren't our values, and we're going to change it." In terms of um, U.S. soccer, and you know, years ago when I got involved in youth coaching, every once in a while, I I would see a, a female coach across the way, and I go, "Wow." There's one, and now we see more and more today. Mm-hmm. And I think it's partly with the growth, and you know, as generations are retiring from playing soccer, that there's opportunities. And I think that in in terms of, you know, and I'll get to the leadership part in a moment. But uh, what we could do at the semi pro levels, in, in including in the NWSL, and when the money's not there for these athletes to have full time jobs, maybe we could supplement it in some ways. And certainly that comes in in terms of coaching. We could expedite a coaching course that would be maybe a, a weekend course before their season, a weekend course after their season, and they, they'd be immediately have credentials that higher credentials to do coaching, and automatically they, they qualify into better coaching positions. And then we see a change of um, more females getting involved into coaching or directors of coaching in, in those programs that could help them. So we could do that at the W um, PSL level. We could do it at NWSL level and, and such forth. And we don't necessarily just need to limit it to um, the semi-pro female players. We could do it for the um, actual, uh, the male players as well, which would be exciting to add more coaches into our system. But in terms of like when I was in the Philadelphia recently and there's 13,000 coaches and understand in Philadelphia, this convention is, made up of um, every state association to who's who in soccer to coaches to administrators to product selling I mean it's a wonderful United coaches United soccer coaches convention was wonderful but the the ratio of male to female um, is still not uh, quite there yet mm-hmm. but I've been to a lot of these and I'm sure you have as well grant but you kind of see that the the demographics and the gender is getting closer and it's the gap is decreasing. I've seen more females there this year than ever before, and that's exciting. But now when I turn towards the United States Soccer Federation, and in this process I've talked to a lot of state associations, to um, youth organizations, to adult associations, and it is primarily a male-dominant um, ran sport in this country. Mm-hmm. So immediately back in November, when I announced my candidacy, I realized that these, um, these issues that we've been talking about of women equality and certain things are plaguing us right now. And we want to see more opportunity and access for women, et cetera. Um, I really turned towards help. And I asked a, a dear friend of mine that is a Lieutenant Colonel, if they knew of somebody that in the leadership aspect could help guide me to um, find access or find someone that we could um, help us in soccer. So an independent um, director, independent board member, someone that could provide us more information that we haven't tapped into before. And I landed a, a person, her name's Marilyn Schuler, and she's the first vice president of the American Association for Access, Equity, and Diversity. So she's the first vice president for American Association of, for Access, Equity, and Diversity. Those three words are pretty much easy to define, access, equity, and diversity. But to explain her role, um, every major corporation in this country has governmental, ju- governmental contracts. And when they have governmental contracts, they have to follow certain protocols, rules, and everything. She actually goes into those corporations, be it Coca-Cola, McDonald's, AT&T, whatever it may be, and she consults them and trains them, provides seminars. This is someone that also goes into uh, major universities, the Georgetowns, the, the Stanfords, and, and such the world, and, and trains their leadership staff, making sure they're in compliance, be it for Title IX or whatever it may be. Um, but it's the highest, the highest of people that could help U.S. soccer immediately and put us on track at least to formulate a plan that we could see more of these opportunities when you asked paul calajuri i gave you a quick two um two ways of trying to get more women involved and in a positive way of shining light that it's the gap is decreasing but we need to look at experts we need someone that's a president that could build a team of experts to guide united united states soccer and bring us somewhere where we've never been before and from paul calajuri that's exciting to know that we could achieve those goals.
1: U.S. soccer has a big role, obviously, in the NWSL. It helps subsidize the league by paying the salaries of the national team players for the U.S. who play in it. Um, What do you see as the future of U.S. soccer's role with the NWSL as that league tries to gain even more stability? They obviously just lost the Boston Breakers, even though they're expected to add some teams in 2019 yeah
0: the nwsl is a hot topic because really it's kind of equaling out these opportunities for um professional players men and women Um, and it's it's exciting to know there's the potential of more teams aligning with uh, major league soccer teams and then of course i've spoken to people that are interested in in the women's soccer game that would be interested in investing and in buying franchises as well. It gets a little more complicated uh, rather than just say, wave wave their magic wand. I bring four owners and they want to buy teams or let's align it with major league soccer. And it's part with the hiccups that we're seeing now. We have uh, lawsuits in place against United States soccer federation, major league soccer in some, there's some complexities surrounding now with the women issues Um, particularly in the Stevens Act and such, that adds to some complications of moving forward. Um, The NWSL is a single entity, much like our closed system, just like Major League Soccer. Uh, The difference with Major League Soccer and NWSL is, well, the similarity is they both have their own marketing wings. So NWSL owns their own marketing company and Major League Soccer owns their own marketing company with soccer united marketing the difference with the two now because it's fundamentally structured similar and could work ultimately just like how major league soccer has had success but the fundamental issue here is soccer united marketing represents also u.s soccer federation and with the revenues it's generated through the bundle of major league soccer and u.s soccer it helps um both products, Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer. But here on the other side, NWSL is not part of that mix. Mm-hmm. They're kind of standalone there. So it becomes an issue, I think, that has to be worked through. And certainly um, we need to correct some issues that are um, at stake right now. And certainly it's, a, it's not something that a, a candidate could um, necessarily correct until they're in office to work with the outside groups and hopefully find an amicable resolution for everybody.
1: Paul, there's been a lot of controversy lately after the decision of Jonathan Gonzalez to play for Mexico's senior team after playing for youth national teams with the United States. There's a lot of examples of dual nationals, especially Mexican Americans out there now, and no doubt in the future. Um, I think we're moving past The specific Jonathan Gonzalez situation lately to ask the question, in general terms, is the U.S. Soccer Federation doing enough to make uh, minorities, especially Latinos, welcome, feel welcome Mm -hmm. playing for U.S. soccer, rooting for U.S. soccer, being fully part of the U.S. soccer community? What's your stance on that? You know,
0: someday I'm sure is going to be a, a great interview for someone to really talk about how personal that decision was for him, and it's probably going to be a beautiful story. It's not a slap in the face for U.S. soccer at all. Um, it, it was a personal choice. But we, as I mentioned, we've seen brothers play against brothers um, that selected maybe the the country of birth versus the country of where they they grew up, and they ultimately played against each other in um, on national teams. So. It's exciting um, to know that um, our young players are being cultivated and um, are, are being recognized in other places as well. But in terms of access to the Hispanic and multicultural communities, it's a big part of my platform. And I wouldn't say that we haven't been doing enough. And I, and I definitely uh, wouldn't say that there hasn't been efforts there. There's definitely been efforts. There's definitely interest. We just haven't had a, a vision or a vehicle to get us into these multicultural communities and Hispanic markets for a multitude of reasons. So recently, I've launched that one of my proposals would be through the Olympic Developmental Program, ODP, that all high school varsity coaches would be trained and provided resources to become ODP scouts. Mm -hmm. And what that does overnight, imagine, it brings U.S. soccer into every community in this country. Not some, every community. It raises our value as a a property, an investment. Corporate America would love to have access to that. And when I think about that, sure, we can't, Um, identify and say uh, that high school and that high school. We may not use their names of the high schools, but think about the growth that could happen from there. Maybe we do align ourselves eventually with the high school because U.S. soccer could help brand their high schools and maybe a corporate sponsor like Nike or Adidas will be supplying their um, uniforms in their high school um, to those schools because of our relationships and the growth. And that's how we cultivate and get into our communities, especially these communities where I've heard that United States soccer needs to have a, a culture, a culture of soccer. We do. It exists in those communities, and those communities are um, what we need to really focus on and in getting into and, and, and not only being in, including them into our system, but providing them access to our um opportunities that exist from U.S. soccer.
1: We're winding down here with Paul Caligiuri. Thanks so much for taking this much time, Paul. Um, When you look at the election itself taking place on February 10th, obviously there's eight candidates. There's four big voting blocks, the adult and youth councils, the pro council, the athlete council. Uh, What do you see as your path to victory? How would you be able to to put together the voting blocks, the voting support that you need to win this thing.
0: It, yeah, it's, it, it's a very interesting cast of um, candidates. And you have some people that are experts in their fields. Um, maybe an expert broadcaster, an expert marketing person, expert banker, um, expert soccer person um, throughout the entire career to expert attorneys. Um, so you have a cast of experts, and it 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 seems diluted, but it really comes down to what this country wants and what what the vision is moving forward. Um, I'm not supported by anybody other than Paul Alajeri and my family. Um, I'm not tied into any um, corporate sponsor that is has a special interest um, out there that's supporting. I'm not currently part of the system either with U.S. Soccer Federation or Soccer United Marketing, and I'm not being funded by any other group that may have a special interest group. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's what sets me apart right now from everybody because I definitely have the wealth of soccer experience, not just on the playing field that people remember. Paul Calagari scored the goal that got us to the World Cup, but – experience of at 15 years old, I did play in Germany in Berlin. I did play there as a youth player in their academy system, all the way to being an academy coach here um, in the current days um, to building businesses where I've sold a business. I've done quite well. Um, my family's run businesses. I come from a background of um, my brother-in-law's lieutenant colonel. My other brother-in-law's a judge. My dad was a judge. My brother-in-law's my current brother is a major in special forces in in the United States Army. Um, we all have our degrees. We come from a value system that will make America proud. And these are the things I don't talk about, Paul Caliguri, about businesses that the family have, have that's been successful or um, businesses that I've been involved the questions that rise about whether you can run a business or not. Paul Gallagheri is through all my experiences made me who I am along with my wonderful family's experiences to the people I met along the way. And it's about forming a team of getting the job done to make us better than who we are today and have a value system that we won't ever fall in this ditch again. And I'm confident under my leadership, that will never ever happen again, that I'll be able to form a a great team and be it a finding a CEO. Um, If Dan Flynn has at least committed to a year, I've talked to Hank Steinbrecher, who's our former, former um, general secretary who hired Dan Flynn. It's important to have both those people on board to help the new CEO in their success in planning or onboarding so seamlessly we don't disrupt What we've done, and the new CEO provided that there may be one, is able to lead the business side of this and take us places that we've never been before, increase our budgets, increase our revenues, increase the value of our assets, be it Olympic developmental program, that we're in every community in this country, that now every corporation in this country wants to invest in that, that provides more resources and finances for the grassroots, and hopefully we could bring all this together. I am super confident and excited the direction that U.S. Soccer Federation uh, will go as president of the United States Soccer Federation.
1: Paul jury, thanks so much for joining me.
0: Well, thank you, Grant Wall. Appreciate the conversation.
1: Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Paul jury, as well as everyone, Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated, who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it. Wherever you get your podcasts, it really does help the cause if you do. And check out the new 30 Minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SI TV. That's available for free now on SI.com. Recent guests include Heath Pierce, Vaishali Bardwaj, Rob Stone, and Chris Ahrens. See you next time.